You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We have two big things that we want to talk about this week. Those, of course, being the Major League Baseball draft and the All-Star Futures game. We're going to dig into both of those, and we have a um, representative from this year's Futures game who uh, Jonathan had a chance to talk to recently, Pirates pitching prospect Mike Burrows. Uh, He will join us on the podcast, and we'll wrap up, as we always do, by answering a question from the mailbag. All right, this is the... uh, craziest week of our year we learned that last year when the futures game and draft were held on the same day uh this year i don't know what do you you guys call this a a bit of a reprieve the the futures game is now on saturday instead of the exact same day as the first day of the draft a little bit of a reprieve or I feel like you're poking the bear here, Jason. Um, <laughs> I, I actually think this is worse. Alex, mute Jim. I, I think this is worse just from my... Really worse. Well, because from my own selfish perspective, I feel like the thing we work the hardest on all year that gets the most visibility is trying to project who's going where in the first round. And in, you know, during a time where... I, I don't know what you'll be doing during the game, Jonathan, exactly. I know I will be broadcasting, so I don't think I'll be calling or texting teams and agents to try to get some sense of where players are falling in the draft so I, I if i if i had to vote which I, I i if i had a vote and i don't i would rather have it just be on the same day where last year it was a sh- i know jonathan you broadcast the game and it was a shame i didn't go but i was just like i can't do both in the same day but like i i feel this year is worse from a a personal standpoint for me at least yeah yeah i think if you had if had to do the double duty, maybe you would think slightly differently. Um, you didn't have to do the double duty, though. You chose to do the double duty. Uh, okay, I would, that, that this is an offline conversation. <laughs> I, I think I don't think we need to use up podcast time for this. But at any rate, it, it was a lot, uh, and it is. You know, I think in general, it's a shame like that we can't personally focus on each thing as much as we would like to. Um, I do think this is moderately better. Um, you know, I do like the fact that when the draft is on this year, it will be standing alone. There won't be any games going on. Um, you know, so I think that part is good. Um, and I, I don't, I don't mind that it's separated by days. Yes, we can't put as much time into that final mock draft that we normally would, but you know, it is what it is, as they say. Yeah. And I mean, as far as the fans go, I think separating the the futures game from the draft is is nice to be able to you know have both of those things on on two separate days. Um, all right, let, let's talk. Uh, let's kind of go reverse chronological here. As futures game is on Saturday, draft starts on Sunday, uh, and actually we'll we'll get busy uh, even before that with the. Uh, high school all-american game which is on friday um that will be streamed live on mlb.com uh jonathan on the call in that game and jonathan you've seen 
quite a few of these guys. These will be 2023 top high school draft prospects from the 2023 class. And we got a taste of this um, over the past couple of years. And it's a really nice sneak preview. Like the guys that we're seeing in this year's game will then be seeing at the draft in uh, the following year. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. It's uh, last year's game had Drew Jones, Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, who we've spent a lot of time talking about in the run-up. Uh, you know, not to mention Cole Young, uh, you know, bunch of the high school bats that we've been spending a lot of time on, who are likely first rounders. We're all in that game last year, uh, and it's fun just watching them. You know, it was part of the All Star Week. I really like this addition to the the festivities. You know, even if it adds uh, you know something else to our plate. Um, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that, and I've even you know I'm a little bit jaded about home run derbies at this point in time. But I enjoy the high school home run derby. Uh, you know, the format was good. It's kind of nice and quick, Jim. You'll see. I know you're doing the broadcast for that, but just seeing what they can do in a big league stadium. Uh, albeit with metal bats, um, it is a whole lot of fun. Yeah, so the high school home run derby will take place on Saturday prior to the Futures game. Uh, Futures game on Saturday night, 7 Eastern. Uh, that game is on Peacock. Um, and then the draft on Sunday, day one. Uh, preview show on the MLB Network and MLB.com starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Draft beginning at seven. First pick uh, will occur somewhere around 15 minutes uh, after seven. And then days two and three of the draft on Monday and Tuesday begin at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and all of that can be seen on MLB.com. Uh, all right. So let's get into the draft here. Um, Jonathan, you are on uh, mock draft duty for this week. Um, I think you've, uh, you've pretty well got your top 10 in place, but let's, let's first focus on the number one pick. Uh, let's talk, let's look at this, uh, this way, who is in the running to go number one? Uh, I, I don't, I don't have all of our mocks listed out here in front of me, but I, how many, I do. Okay. How many different players have you guys had go number one in, in your mocks? I want to say we have had four. Well, I, we have had okay. four. Okay, I was gonna. You said you have them right there. Okay, so we, four, four different ones. Now, are all four of those guys still in consideration? Yes, uh, there are. There are five still, quote unquote, officially in consideration. Um, you know, the the fifth is Elijah Green, whose name I have never heard really being in serious contention. But I hadn't, I don't, you know, Jim, I don't want to speak for you ever, but in this case, I think like we hadn't been told that he's been removed from that list of players that they're looking at. No, and it's, and like, it, I'm not 100% convinced, you know, like originally it was six players and then it was five, like what, four to six weeks ago. Yeah. And I've never been sure, like, I think Elijah Green's the fifth guy. I'm not 100% convinced Elijah Green is the fifth guy. I would be. As talented as Elijah Green is, I just don't see the Orioles, not that they're tipping their hand, I don't see the Orioles taking Elijah Green, and I haven't spoken to anybody with another team who thinks that the Orioles would take Elijah Green. So I think I think that's that's fair. 
Okay, so who are these five guys? Well, the, you know, the, I don't even want to say the favorite, but, you know, Drew Jones is is an obvious choice. Uh, he's the best player in the class. Jim and I are both fans of the team picking 1-1, taking the best guy in the class. If it's clear, uh, that's who it is. And there is as good a chance as anybody else uh, that Drew Jones would be the number one pick. Uh, I think for me, the next best um, sort of handicapping, you know, if the, if the Orioles were going to go the, we're going to cut a deal like they did with college bats the last two years with Heston Kerstad and, and Colin Kowser, um, I think that player is Tamar Johnson. And uh, I think there is a fairly decent chance that that could happen. And I know Jim has has gone with Tamar Johnson in the number one spot uh, in a previous mock, and that makes uh, a lot of sense. Jim, would you would you say that that's uh, to me right now? Jones and Johnson are kind of I feel have the around the same percentage of the, the they're the front runners if for lack of a better word yeah if i if we were throwing percentages on these and like again it's more just talking to a bunch of people like you have and trying to read tea leaves rather than having direct intel i kind of feel like it's drew jones like 33 percent termar johnson maybe 33 percent. i keep going back and forth on those two I feel like maybe I'd go 30% Jackson Holiday, who kind of won't, you know, he's got more all around tools and he plays a more premium position than Termar, but he won't cost as much as Drew Jones. So I'd go 30% on him. And what's that leave me like 4%? I, I guess the other 4% I would go to Brooks Lee. I, I just, I really, I don't think it's Brooks Lee because I, Brooks Lee has a similar profile to me as Termar Johnson. And while Brooks Lee's been on the podcast, we love Brooks Lee, so is Termar. We love Termar. I, I just think if you're going to go that route, even though Brooks Lee has proven himself at a higher level, you're going to save more money with Termar Johnson. Agreed. And I just think he and Brooks Lee are close enough that I would t- – I, I think you might save a significant more amount of money with Termar Johnson than Brooks Lee. So that's why I, I just I, don't yep. buy completely I, – I think Brooks Lee's in the discussion – but I would be very, very surprised. Like to me, he's a distant fourth guy. No, I, I, I agree with all of that. And I think, you know, they're keeping everybody on the table. They're going to wait till Sunday, you know, which they can use to sort of, as they go back and forth between the representatives of all these players. If, if I had to right now, I, 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 I think it's Drew Jones or Tamar Johnson. And this is like, and this is not based on any direct information. But that is my 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 gut feel at at the moment, and that doesn't mean that Jackson Holiday could could jump in. It doesn't mean that they could decide to turn to Brooks Lee if the other, you know, if they are talking to Tamar Johnson people and they're not getting enough of a discount, you know, whatever. We we don't know what's going on in those conversations at all. But uh, I, I, that's my. My gut feel right now is it's one of those two guys. I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel the same way. Even though I, I had the odds close, I feel like they're either yeah. going to take the, the very best guy and pay what it, you know, negotiate whatever the price is, or 
take the guy who's probably the least expensive option in Termar Johnson rather than compromise and go for Jackson Holiday. So, Jim, you said that Johnson and Lee are similar profiles, but you save more money. You think you'd save more money with Johnson. Does, yes. Does Johnson also have the higher ceiling of the two? Hmm. I don't know if I'd say that. I don't think so. I mean, you could argue it, but I think you could also argue that Brooks Lee has a chance to stay at short. It may not be super high. I don't think anybody really projects Termar to stay at short. I think you could project based on you know what you've seen and what they've accomplished that Brooks Lee might have more power. So I I, I think you could you could argue that basically whichever way you if you if you're you could argue in, in support of either player having the higher ceiling depending on how bullish you were on them. And I, and I think, and I, not that this comes into it that much, but in terms of, you know, Brooks Lee, I don't think is going to take very long to be big league great. Now, Tamar Johnson is such a good hitter. He may be one of those young hitters that moves relatively quickly also. But, you know, the Orioles are at a stage now where they're starting to pool talent at the upper levels and some are getting to the big leagues. You can make either argument, you know, Take Brooks Lee, he's going to join that group really quickly as things are starting to turn around in Baltimore. Or you take, and you can make this argument for, you know, for Drew Jones, the high school guy, and let him develop at whatever rate he needs to because you've got some of this talent at the upper levels. You know, I, so, I, I mean, that ends up maybe being a wash when all is said and done. And I think also Jones and Johnson have pretty high floors for high school guys. Like, you know, that. They're pretty polished players, so I think you know it would be interesting to see. You know, it'll be interesting to see once whoever takes them when they're in the pro game, if they're the the, the kind of high school players that can get to the big leagues faster than most people think high school bats can. Okay, let's do this. Uh, let's let's assume that each of these players that are in the running goes number one, and let's talk about what happens after if that happens. Uh, let's start with the most likely scenario in, in both of your estimations with Drew Jones going first. Um, does that mean that that doesn't necessarily mean that, that the guy, the other favorite in your estimation to go number one is, is going to go number two, right? Correct. Correct. I, I had to figure out what you were saying. There, yes. <laughs> <To> untangle <laughs> that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, that, that is correct. Uh, and I think we've kind of both mocked this over the last few weeks. If Drew Jones goes one, I think the Diamondbacks take Jackson Holiday two. That's my best guess as well. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, and none of your drafts have you had, uh, Drew Jones going number one and Tamar going number two. I don't think that's like 100% out of the question. And I think, Jim, you mentioned this in your last week's mock. I, I, did, I mean, the, the thing that's going to be interesting with Termar is I think his price tag is going to be significantly lower than a Drew Jones and a Jackson Holiday and maybe even a couple of the college guys. And that's going to be tempting at some point to where maybe even if you have a guy slightly ahead of him, if and I'm just making up numbers here, I don't have everybody's asking price. If Termar Johnson is going to cost me million and a half dollars less, maybe more than that, that makes him really attractive when you start looking at bonus, you know, bonus pool machinations. Right. That said, you know, and, and I'm kind of and the Diamondbacks do have an extra pick. Um, 
So if they wanted to do that, they could. And maybe it's kind of basing it on last year when they took Jordan Lawler. Like, I get the sense that they will take who they think is the best player, which is why we've kind of gone Jackson Holiday uh, the last couple of mocks uh, if Drew Jones goes 1-1. Okay, so if we go Jones, Holiday, uh, Rangers picking at 3 uh Jim, if this if this were the scenario, who do you who do you think the Rangers would take here? I would go Brooks Lee, but I think it's it's pretty close between Brooks Lee and Kevin Parada and Elijah Green. Like I I think it could go any of those three directions. I agree with that. And Kevin Parada is the Georgia Tech catcher. I don't think we've mentioned him yet. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that those are the three names. Uh and we've had those three names uh in that's in the spot kind of throughout um especially if those uh, if those go one and if jones and holiday are one and two uh i i, I do think it's going to be one of uh one of one of those three guys i'm leaning towards one of the college bats leaning towards kevin parada right now without any real serious intel okay and that would bring us to the pirates at four who do, you, who do you like there, Jim? I, I keep getting increased chatter that they're going to look to do a deal there. So I, I would give them Termar Johnson uh, in, in this scenario. I, I think the two guys most likely to cut a deal that would save you a decent amount of money, and the Pirates went that route last year with Henry Davis at one, it would be Termar Johnson or, or Chipola Junior College third baseman, Cam Collier. So I, I would go Termar Johnson in this scenario. I agree with that, uh, and I agree with – you know, I had Cam Collier in my mock now, you know, almost two weeks ago. I think that's a possibility. I, you know, I like Brooks Lee in that spot because he kind of fits what they've done, you know, in terms of the college bats the last few years. But for the reasons Jim laid out, uh, I, I think it's Johnson and Collier with a, a slight lead to to Johnson as of right now. Okay, so that's Jones, Holiday. Uh, Parada or Lee, maybe Green at three to the Rangers. Uh, Tamar Johnson, maybe Cam Collier at four to the Pirates. And then that brings us to the Nationals at five. I know there are a couple different sort of slight variations in the first four picks there. But uh, based on what you guys have said to this point, who would you have the Nationals taking here? Well, I think it's, you know, some of the same names. Um, You know, I think right now, and Jim, I think we are in agreement that there's a good chance that it would be Elijah Green over the uh, the college bats. Um, I think Brooks Lee would be in the mix in this scenario. So I think it's probably Lee or Elijah Green in this in this setup. Yeah, and it it depends. You know, I know they like Kevin Parada a lot too. If Kevin Parada is available. Let's say he, yes, he doesn't go right. three. I, I think he's in that mix also. But but they're basically, I mean, this is true at the top of the draft. All the guys we're talking about, I haven't heard any Cam Collier there, but all the other guys we've talked about is possibly going in the first four picks. I think they're just sorting through whoever's left over. Okay. Um, now, I don't, I don't think we'll go through each uh, permutation here, but – Let's, we can do let's them do, really quicker. We can probably pick up the pace on these. Well, let's do the yeah. second most likely scenario uh, that you discussed with Tamar going number one. How does that affect the remaining top five picks? Well, I feel like the biggest lock 
And again, Jonathan, not speaking for you, but I, I, I'm betting you will agree agree with me. DraftKings has a, is a negative 420 to, that you but will Jonathan agree with me will on agree. this. The biggest, the, <laughs> the biggest lie, you have to bet $100. You have to bet 420 to win $100, Jonathan. $25,000. Yes. So uh, anyway, if, if, if we say that Termar Johnson goes number one, I think the Diamondbacks, as much of a lock as we've heard, would take Drew Jones at number two. Yes, one hundred percent. Like that one's easy. Like so, if we, if 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 we hear from the Orioles Saturday night or Sunday morning that they're taking anybody but Drew Jones at one, we will both be projecting Drew Jones at two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In the in the ten mocks that you guys have done dating back to April, you've yet to do one with Drew Jones uh, falling beyond number two. So that's that's in line with that. And and I'll bet all ten of them say some form of if he doesn't go one, he's locked to go two. Okay. We I I think we've been saying that for ten weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And then we're still then in kind of the same position with the Rangers, I I guess, because you'd said uh, one of the college bats. Well, no, see, I think they take. I think they would take Jackson Holiday if he's there. I think Uh if the Diamondbacks don't take Jackson Holiday, there's a strong chance the Rangers take Jackson Holiday at three. Yes. Okay. Okay. So and then you'd so have the Pirates take, You'd have the Pirates taking a deal again. Yeah, you know, I still think that's Johnson Collier. You know, maybe they they do go for the lead, but like taking a deal, and then the Nationals again. You would have the Prada versus Prada Lee and Elijah Green battling at yeah. five. No, I, I agree with that. And if you look over over the course of our mocks, we've been pretty consistent that if one and two is anything but Jones and Holiday, they the Rangers would take Holiday at three. Okay. And so Jim, when you when you put percentages on these, you had thirty three percent. I don't know how accurate they were. I was just throwing those out. But yeah. Right, I went right. 33 We're banking it on you better be accurate. Now but going down the line here, you had thirty three percent on Tamar, thirty three percent on on uh, Drew Jones. And then was there yeah, with well, Jackson Holiday, I went thirty. I, I I don't feel like Jackson Holiday is too distant behind Drew Jones and Termar Johnson. I I think I would agree with Jonathan said earlier. I feel like it's going to be one of those two, but I feel like Jackson Holiday is a close third. So let's do if Jackson Holiday goes one, Jonathan. We know Drew Jones is going to. We we feel that in our bones. So if if Hol- yes. Holiday goes one and Jones goes two. Who do the Rangers take at three? I, I f- then feel it would probably be one of those college hitters, so Lee or Parada. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about with the first scenario where I think we had Jones going one, Holiday two. It's just we right. flipped them. So it, it's it's Lee, Parada, you know, maybe Green. Elijah Green. And then, I, and then I think the rest of the draft unfolds like we did Jones one, Holiday two. You've got the Pirates likely taking a deal, maybe Brooks Lee at four, and then the college guys who are remaining versus – green at five so so if holiday is one i think it just kind of flips what we thought the scenario would be with jones going one right and i will say that if the rangers take lee at three then that cements in a pirates deal at four but i i don't see any scenario where they take kevin parada i agree Um, it'd be kind of tough after you took henry davis last year I, i would think so you know and i haven't heard that at all uh so that i think that's that's one of those that if we if if we find out, not that we're going to, but we feel some certainty uh, that the top three are some combination of Jones, Holiday, Lee, 
then I think the Pirates will certainly take Tamar Johnson or Cam Collier. Okay, and next on your your uh, guaranteed percentages, Jim, was Brooks Lee? Lee is the long shot. Yeah, and, okay, and I so think if Brooks Lee goes here? one, if Brooks Lee goes one, then you have the Diamondbacks. They get Drew Jones, and the Rangers get Jackson Holiday, like we discussed before. We right. feel pretty strong about and those. Then the Pirates cut a deal. And then the Pirates cut the deal again, and then the Pirate, then the Nationals are looking at Parada versus Green. So I guess, I guess what we're saying, having talked this through, Jonathan. We don't see the top five picks. We think it's going to be some combination of Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, Termar Johnson, Elijah Green, Brooks Lee, Kevin Parada, and Cam Collier. I think we've said it sounds yeah. like those are the only seven guys right now that we feel are going to possibly go in the top five picks. Thanks for writing my lead for this week's mock. There you go. Okay. Uh, so we've talked pretty extensively here about the top five picks anything else uh that, that we need to talk about uh any you know any body on the move making a jump names that you're hearing anything of particular interest to you guys as you uh work the phones and and talk to teams you know for me no I, the Teams that I've talked to so far as I've worked on this week's mock haven't even really lined up their boards yet. So there's still a little bit of a quiet period going on. Uh, so I, uh, there is not much. Now, I haven't gotten much beyond work, you know, working on the sort of top part of the first round. Uh, you know, So I have not, I've not heard anything out of the ordinary in terms of guys jumping up uh, you know, or anything of that nature. Well, I got the question for you because you, you'll get this as you talk to more teams. So you've got Cade Horton, College World Series hero. You've got Kumar Rocker, number 10 pick in last year's draft, whose medicals are out now that we've talked about. And you've got, um, you know, Prelip out of Alabama, who was a potential number one overall pick for you, Tommy John, but he, you know, Pre- Connor Prelip had a nice combine workout and showed that his stuff was back. So, so here's going to be my question, and you, and you can weigh in too if you want, Jason. I will answer this also. Give me a 10-pick range, range of 10 picks where those three guys go in the draft. So let, let, let's start. Who, who do you think is going first to those three guys in the draft, Jonathan? Or who has the potential to go the highest? As of right this minute, I'm going to say Connor Prelip. I'll agree with that. So what's, what's your 10-pick range on Connor Prelip? 15 to 25. Um, no, you know what? 13 to 22. That's 10 picks. Right. Well, I, I wasn't going to be a stickler like we could have. Yeah. yeah. I will go. I will go eight to 17. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, although I like, I, I'd like to go eight to 20. Like if we could stretch it, like I'd go eight to 20, but yeah. So anyway, you we set the parameters. I know I do. I did. I'm saying like, it's like, he's, he's a little tough. Okay. Now, Jim doesn't just bend everyone else's rules. He bends bend his own, own rules. Yeah. No, I'm just saying consistent. I'd like to. I didn't bend them. I just said I would like to. Okay, so now who, who's going second? Kumar Rocker or Kate Horton? As of this minute? <laughs> so wait a minute. I'm just going to give you a hard time here, Jonathan. You have minute-to-minute information. If I ask you five minutes from now, That's even though right, you're gonna, podcasting well, with us, I'm, I'm you'll have people, new intel I'm texting five minutes from people now. people on the fly, like live texting. Like, yes. What do you think to, at this um, exact it, minute, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so people can calibrate their mock tracking. It is 12:11 <laughs> p.m. Eastern on July 12th. As of this exact moment, 
Who's going first, Rocker or Horton? And I'm like tap dancing, waiting for responses. I'm going to say Horton. Yeah, I, I think I'll say I'll say that too. But what, what what range do you have him going in? I'm going to say 17 to 26. Kind of like that. I'm going to go. You can stay in the same range. It's fine. Yeah, it's because you know what? I, I feel like the Angels at 13 are probably more likely to cut a deal rather than yeah. pay full slot. And, and I, you know, I do think there's a chance that Kate Horton, his asking price could scare people a little bit. I'm going to go, I'll go, uh, I'll go 17 to 26 also. That's an excellent call, Jonathan. But I could I, see, I could see that by the way. I mean, I think the angels is that, that spot where we're looking to put a pitcher of some sort. And it's just a question of who that pitcher is. Okay. 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 Kumar, Kumar rocker. What's his, uh, his 10 pick range? You groan. I, I mean, I don't have a good feel. I'm going to say 25 to 35. I, I like that one. Like, I, I, you know, if you told me he went in the teens, if you told me he went in the sandwich round, I'm going to I'm gonna go 24 to 33. Mm-hmm. But with that, I feel I don't have high confidence in that one. No. I, I mean, the, 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 there's a chance, like, I could not have him in this week's mock. I, I don't. I don't have a good feel for that yet. Um, but he continues to be the biggest enigma. All right, guys, let's take a break. Come back, talk more draft. Let's talk about some of the top tools in this year's draft class. We'll do that coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Draft begins on Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And uh, we just talked about the top of the order, what could happen in the top five picks. And now we want to focus on some individuals, some of the top tools in this year's draft class. Uh, Let's start with some hitters. Um, the single best power prospect in this year's draft is. Well, I wrote the story. Are you, are you are you testing Jonathan, or do you want me to just? I, I literally it? have it up in front okay. of me, so it's not really a fair. <laughs> you, test. you can't play. You can't play along at home. You go six for six. <laughs> you would ace the test. It, it, it's Elijah Green. I, mean, I just. I mean, people are talking his power going back to. I want to say, I guess it was like the showcase circuit during the pandemic year when guys were kind of hoping he might reclassify into the 2021 draft. But he's That's right. he's he's six three, two twenty five. He's strong. He's got bat speed. He's got loft. He's got a lot of leverage. I, I think it's at least seventy raw power. And you know, I do think he hits balls about as hard and far as about anyone in this draft. Even though he's only eighteen years old, he's a lot younger than the college guys and. You know, I, th- I do think, Jonathan, we've said this a bunch of times, he's got the best all-around tools in the draft, 
And I do think it's encouraging. He did a better job of making contact. I mean, there are some swing and miss issues, but he did a better job this spring. And I think people do feel better about the bat than they did maybe at the end of last summer. Yeah, and swing and miss is allowed now. I think the, when it becomes a concern is, will he get to that power that you're talking about? And I think there is more confidence that he will. And this is this is usable power, not Correct. run power. Correct. And this is now power or future power. You said seventy. I, oh, I, I talk about raw power, but I, I, I think I mean it's not like you project. I think what's your I don't know what your grade if it was sixty or sixty five, John, because I don't have it in front of me for his his future usable power. But like I'm not saying that like we're not saying he ha- he would have plus power if he stepped into the big leagues today as a as an 18 year old yes, but yes fu- yeah future plus power and if you feel better about his bat you, you can make that a 65 okay also in the discussion melendez parada barry all college hitters okay uh best pure hitter in this year's draft class we've talked about this one quite a few times i don't think this will be a surprise to many people who have been listening to the podcast or following this year's draft class yeah, I think since last December when we first did our top 100, we've talked about Termar Johnson being the best high school hitter in decades. Um, he's a, the best pure hitter in this draft. He's got the swing. He's got the hand-eye coordination. He makes good decisions at the plate. He's playing in a in a uh, kind of like not a top tier, but a second tier college wood bat league right now as a high school kid and hitting, I think, 277 when I checked this morning. Um, so it's it, it just it, – it's – hard to find a better high school hitter than this one i i like i struggle i can't even tell say he's the best high school hitter since x because i'm not sure who x would be they had me thinking and realizing that my institutional memory is terrible so i'm not going to come up with the name either but i can't remember a pure high school uh, you know pure high school bat like maybe griffey like i mean we're talking a long time so Uh, all right. Fastest runner. We, we saw Jared Curtis at the combine. He, I, I'm not the expert on 30 yard dash times, but he had the two fastest times at three, five, five and three, five, six seconds. Uh, he's a legit 80 runner. And what I like about him for a guy who can, who can fly is he knows how to use it. He can steal bases. He plays a good center field and he's not just a slappy guy at the plate. Like he's got, he's not going to be a slugger, but he can sting the ball on occasion. There's more than, Hey, this guy's really fast, but we're not sure about the rest of the package. So he's, he's pretty intriguing. Yeah. I saw that. uh, I saw that combine and like you, I don't really know what a 30 yard dash is exactly, but he, he looked pretty fast to me. All right. Strongest arm. You know, I don't know if this is cheating a little bit since Nolan McClain is a two-way guy, but we have him listed as a third baseman first, right-hander second. So I, I went Nolan McClain. Um, you know, scouts are still split. They were split in high school. They're split now. Do you like him more as a, a slugging third baseman with a rocket arm, or do you like him as a right-handed pitcher who can get up to 98 miles an hour with a fastball and has power-breaking pitches behind it? Um, he was also a pretty good quarterback in high school, and and originally went to Oklahoma State with the idea of trying to play both sports. So I, I'd, I'd go Nolan McLean there. If you know, it, it's always interesting. Uh, you know, if you look at the different positions, I think Adonis Guzman, the high school kid uh, from Brunswick, Connecticut, uh, is the best catching arm, and the best outfield arm may be Jordan Beck at Tennessee. Yeah. So of the guys uh, you have listed, also in in the discussion, 
along with McLean, we have another two-way player, Nazier Mulet, um, and then a couple of catchers in Guzman and Logan Tanner of Mississippi State. Uh, best defender overall? That's an easy one. Yeah, we we went through Jones. I mean, everybody says he reminds them of his dad, and his dad won ten Gold Gloves. So I, I guess we're putting the over under for Drew Jones. We'll, we'll we'll go easy on him. Put the over under on Gold Gloves at nine and a half. But he's, <laughs> you know, not only does he have like his dad's speed and center field instincts, he's also got a strong arm. So it's just, it's a pretty ridiculous package. And uh, oh, by the way, you know, you're talking about an advanced high school hitter with thirty home run potential too. And you know, if you look at the other positions, I think Silas Arduan from Texas is the top defensive catcher in the draft. And I would say that Jordan Sprinkle from UC Santa Barbara is the top defensive shortstop in the draft. All right. You mentioned uh, strong arm when talking about Drew Jones. Speaking of strong arms, let's move over to the mound and the best fastball in this class, I think, as an, another individual that people have heard plenty about. Jim's favorite. Yeah, well, no, I'm not anti-Ben Joyce. I, I just think the hype kind of outstrips exactly what he is as a prospect. But, no, I mean, look, I mean, he hit 105.5 miles an hour with his fastball. I almost feel like it's more incredible. He averaged 101.3 this spring. <laughs> and just because you know, there's more to a fastball than velocity. And he has a low arm slot and a flat approach angle. So when he throws 101 and up, up in the strike zone, it, it's almost impossible to hit. And I will say is we one thing I thought was interesting, and it's just so reflective of this draft, if we're going to go through the four best pitches, each of these four best pitches, each of these guys has had Tommy John surgery since October 2020. That's when Ben Joyce had his. Huh. But the best pitch of each guy belongs to two of the guys didn't even throw a competitive pitch this year. I'm intrigued on that fastball list by Jacob Misarowski, and maybe it's just because you know he uh... – he looked good at the combine and and probably helped himself out there. But you know the the junior college guys are always a little tougher to kind of pinpoint uh, what to do with them. But uh, his his fastball, I think, is going to play just fine. Also, yeah, it's you know you're not allowed to be more intrigued by Jacob Mizrowski than I am because I I had him on our list two years ago and I've been fascinated by him. But it's not just that he reaches triple digits. It's that he gets the carry he gets, and he's six foot seven. He gets such great extension. It's like he's he's throwing a hundred, but I but I feel like it it, it feels like it's one hundred and five because he's releasing it from what feels like you know ten feet in front of the plate. It, it, it's a really tough fastball. Harness your intrigue, Jonathan. Uh, yes, sir. No, he, he he could be intrigued. I just am claiming superior intrigue to Jonathan. We're gonna have to have an, an intrigue off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Breaking balls. We've got a best curveball, best slider. Tell us who has them and tell us which one is the better of the two. Okay. I would give the edge to Connor Prelip's slider. We talked about him in the where's he gonna go exactly in the draft. You know, we do we he only pitched, you know, two bullpen workouts for teams this year. At the combine, the slider was I mean, it wasn't like he pitched six innings, but he in his bullpen workout I was eighty five, eighty seven with the slider and uh, he had the high, he had the second highest breaking ball spin rate at 3,045 RPM on on anybody's breaking pitch out there, and it, it just has nasty, nasty two plane break. He can get up to 90 miles an hour. I would put that about a half grade ahead of Arkansas right-hander Peyton Paulette's curveball, which is usually ranges from 78 to 83. Also has high spin rates and a ton of depth as well. 
He did not pitch at all. He hurt his elbow in May 2021, which is when Prelip was having Tommy John surgery. They tried to rehab it. Um, that didn't work. Paulette was diagnosed with a torn ligament in January and had Tommy John. So neither one of those guys threw a pitch in a game this year. You know, it's interesting um, looking at the other people in the discussion. We don't have to go through them all, but all the other in the discussion for curveballs are high schoolers and all the other sliders are college or in the case of Kumar Rocker, you know, an indie league guy. Um, it feels like there is a movement away from, from pure curveballs towards sliders. Is that, do you think that's yeah. why Jim? I, I do think that's true. I do think that like, especially on the pro side, it feels like everybody really wants the sweepy slider with extreme horizontal break. And I think that's also an easier pitch to throw than a curveball. Um, and so I think you see a lot of them. It's also just talking about the hurt pitchers. <laughs> the other three sliders I mentioned were Kumar Rocker, shoulder surgery, Landon Sims, Tommy John surgery, Kate Horton, Tommy John surgery. I mean, it's, I don't ever remember doing this best tools list with this many guys who, who've had surgeries. Like one of the best fastballs we didn't mention was Cole Phillips, high school kid who threw hundred. He had Tommy John surgery mm-hmm. this spring too. So it, it's just insane at how many arm surgeries we're dealing with this year. Best surgery. <laughs> Tommy right. John. Tommy John, at least uh, most frequent surgery. <laughs> best changeup, best control. B- best changeup, Dylan Lesko, who I think we both agreed, Jonathan, would have been the first pitcher taken. Yes. Except he had Tommy John surgery in April. He did pitch this year. You know, he's got a mid-90s fastball and a high spin curve, but his changeup – Guys put a plus-plus grade on it, you know, 70 on the 20 to 80 scale. It's low 80s, and it's got just a ton of movement. It, it seems like it breaks, like, sharp sideways and sinks as well. Like, it just it, – it's it's very tough to hit. Um, and then best control, Trey Dombrowski, who's a, a, a left-hander from Monmouth. He was a Cape Cod League Pitcher of the Year last year. He set a league record with a 45 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio. And then he came back and ranked sixth in Division One in that category this spring with a school record, 120 strikeouts versus just 14 walks. He's, it's kind of fringy to average stuff, but it plays up because he locates it well. And Jonathan uh, and, and Jason, you can play along. Danny Gentilly not producing the show, so we can have as many quizzes as we want now. Who who held the Monmouth strikeout record before Trey Dombrowski broke it this spring? Oh, my God. Uh, Pat Light. Very good. Very good, John. And you claimed you have no institutional memory. Holy cow. Very nice. That is shocking that I remember that name. It's interesting. I, I can't remember, you know, and this is where the institutional memory fails me, but having a high schooler as having the best changeup in a draft class feels like an outlier to me. But maybe I'm wrong. Because I feel like that's a pitch, you know, often high schoolers don't have to throw. Right. And so it's not as not as advanced. So I think Lesko is unusual in that in that regard. And I know Yeah, I I think it just is a testament to how advanced he is and yeah. I mean not that I mean, the, the the changeup was wide, but like he's the only junior who's ever been the Gatorade National High School Player of the Year. Um, you know, and like I thought, like Jonathan, like I know he's my guy because he's in Georgia. You've obviously seen Lesko. Like it was like he was a college pitcher pitching yep. in high school. With, it's with just his with age made him a high school pitcher. Too. I mean, yeah, yeah, but, no, absolutely. All right, so I have a, a have a quiz. Uh oh, maybe to wrap this up. Do all of these top two guys get taken on day one? Looking at the list, looking at the li- no, I'm going to say no. You're going to say Jared Curtis doesn't go on day one. Well, no, I, I think even like Jared Curtis, maybe. I, I, I don't think that's a consensus one. I don't think Nolan McLean goes in the top two rounds. Um, 
I like Nolan McClain. He had he set an NCAA strikeout record as a hitter this year. He struck out 107 times. I, I think he's more of a third to fifth round guy if he's signable there. He's a, he's a second year eligible guy. I don't think Ben Joyce is a pure reliever who who pitches every third or fourth day, goes in the top two rounds. And I do think Dombrowski, I, I could see Dombrowski sneaking into second round. I, I could see I that one. I think he goes in the second round. I know enough I know enough area scouts who really like him. Not that the area scouts make the decision in the second round, but I, I think he's one of those college arms who you know maybe he's more third round talent wise, but because of the command and his ability to, you know, use all of his pitches and the fact that he's big and left handed certainly helps too. Uh, I think I think he definitely goes in the second round. Uh, but I think the the guys that you pinpoint, Joyce could go. I could see someone deciding that they wanted that tool set. Uh for Ben Joyce to, to take him in round two, but by no means a guarantee. All right. Well, let's take a break, shift gears, and talk futures game. We'll do that. Uh, we'll start off by talking to uh, one of this year's pitchers on the National League side, Pirates pitching prospect Mike Burroughs. Coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. We are going to shift gears now. Uh, we've been talking about the draft. Now we want to talk about the Futures game and a player that will be pitching in Los Angeles for the National League side. Jonathan Mayo had a chance to talk to Mike Burroughs uh, recently, and we'll listen in to that now. All right, Mike, let's just start kind of with kind of getting accustomed to this level. Clearly so far, you seem to be adjusting just fine. You know, what have been the... The, the biggest things I'm sure people told you like oh that that jump to double A can can be tough but so far so good for you yeah um, everybody said the jump is from A ball to double A um, I think the biggest thing was just bringing a good mentality to every outing and having confidence and knowing that my stuff is going to play regardless of the level I would imagine like the the jump from Northeast High School to pro ball kind of got you ready for whatever large jump but was that a, a transition at all for you initially that uh that, that was was tough, or did that go kind of smoothly too? I think I shortened the gap just by going down and playing travel ball against the best in the country and um, going to all those perfect game events and um, PBR, whatever, whatever it was, you know, just going to those events and seeing the top guys in the country and kind of just lining myself up with those guys and knowing where I needed to be and what level, you know, of ball I needed to be playing at. And um, that really helped. And then just getting into pro ball and, you know, being with those guys that first year, that first half year, I think it was a good transition. Was there a time when you were doing those showcase stuff that, like, you don't know when you're pitching in cold weather states or in the northeast, whatever, like, well, how am I going to compete against the kid in Southern California who can play outside all year round? Was there a certain point you're like, all right, 
Oh, I, I kind of measure up. I, you know, I, I see I belong here. Yeah, um, I think part of that, part of the thing that helped me was just playing up when I was younger. When I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, my dad was having me play against seniors in high school, and I think, you know, it was always about just trying to play at the best competition I could and never being the best on the field, and that really, you know, gave my level of play a little bit of a jump because seeing those guys and, you know, wanting to be as good as them is, is you know, the best thing for me. All right, so now, you know, you're double-A, you're not that far away. Whenever I talk to anybody about you, people talk about spin rates. Mm-hmm. When, was, when was, did that first enter your consciousness that, one, that's a good thing, and two, it was something that you actually excel at? Uh, 2019, I would say, um, was, was really when it happened. We had a, um, our uh, tech guy was, was bringing it up to me, and I had no idea what any of that stuff meant, but he said I had good spin rates, and you know, started to tell me I shouldn't be thrown bottom of the zone. It should be higher in the zone, you know, with the fastball and just things like that. And once I started hearing that stuff and once I started figuring out that spin rates play into what part of the zone you should be throwing the baseball and, and all that, I just, I really dove in during COVID and just came out of there knowing exactly, you know, everything about myself and what I should be doing with the baseball when I'm, when I'm on the mound. Can you... Is there a danger of going too far, like, into the to the analytics and, like, worrying about, like, all right, well, my spin rate was down, but you, you can still get out. So, like, you have to find kind of, like, a, a balance between just, I'll, I'll call it old-fashioned pitching, yeah. uh, even though I don't like that term, and, and, you know, and utilizing that stuff? For sure. I think sometimes you definitely kind of go, you got to go in, you know, so to say, like, stupid. You don't, you don't want to think about that stuff. You don't want to be, like, try to be overly smart and then think about it every pitch when you're on the mound, like, oh, I didn't. I didn't have the greatest spin direction on that. I think that ball cut a little bit. My vertical break went down. That's just that stuff's going to get to your head for sure. I mean, if I was on a track man right before, right before I went into the mound and, and uh, pitched, that would be almost a little bit of like a either could put me down or bring me way up. So I think just going into it and just bringing what I got that day is, is definitely the plan. And um, old-fashioned pitching, yeah. Just, going in and just not thinking about something. So it's more like the prep work. And even yeah. you said, like, during COVID, you, you, you could really dig in and study and see what works while yeah. not trying to compete on the mound. Right. Well, throughout the week, it's like, you know, those those first couple of days is really just recovering and then getting to that bullpen. And when I get to that bullpen, it's like, all right, let's see where we're at. You know, obviously, I know what I'm trying to do with the ball. If it's not there, then, you know, those next couple of days before the start, it's working on that stuff and just getting it right and, you know, not bringing it back to the mound. You just want to just see ball flight and, you know, assure yourself that you're in the right spot. Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do now, because we talk about uh, about the spin rates and everything, is just if you could show, we'll do one pitch at a time, just the different grips that you use and, and you know, maybe how you manipulate to, to try to impact things like spin rate and, and things like that. Sure. Tape it horizontally, though. Okay. Good. So we got the four-seam fastball. Really trying to be like a pencil width apart here with the fingers, making sure that thumb lines up in between these two fingers. Um, and yeah, just really getting out in front, in front of it and making sure that I'm finishing every pitch um, and living at the top of the zone. You know, really it's all like, it's all ball flight with that pitch. If I see it and I can see it holding lane and holding tunnel and, and, and not, you know, dipping or diving, then I know it's in the right spot. So anything, really thigh high with that pitch is, is where I want to be and down for effect. Are, there, are you at the point now where you know that if it, it doesn't have that life that you're looking for, like you're doing something mechanically 
off that you can adjust on, on the mound, or is that more the kind of thing you look at in between? A little bit. I think, you know, when I start to, you know, come off of that stuff, it's really just me pulling off the pitch, and I end up having some cut to it, which actually sometimes plays in my favor because it's something different for them that they didn't see. So, um, but just, yeah, just locking it back in and making sure I'm holding the lane and thinking about, you know, staying in a, in a, in a tunnel, essentially, you know, like blacking out everything that's, that's not where I'm driving the pitch to. Okay, let's move on to, to the breaking ball because that's, you know, your curveball people just talk about the, the um, probably more so than the fastball, even just the high spin. So curveball is a spike, but I don't, I don't hold it, you know, together. I bring this back a little bit. Thumb is in line, kind of cutting the ball in half with the uh, middle finger there. And then really just thinking about where I'm throwing it. I'm, I'm throwing it, if I want to first strike, I'm throwing it to catcher's mask, letting it drop, drop down into the bottom of the zone. If I want it for a strike to ball, it's really just thinking about throwing it to catcher's got a Nike sign or an all-star sign. I'm throwing it to that and getting it to go below the zone. Okay. Um, and, I mean, do you manipulate it all to try to add and subtract, or is it pretty much the same thing? It's pretty much the same. Um, really just bringing up, the, bringing up the intent with it is what I was trying to do in, in the last couple of years because I was throwing it below 80 miles an hour, and now it's above. So I think... Me just looking at numbers and how curveballs play in the big leagues. Um, ones that are 80 plus are going to play a lot better than ones that are below below 80. I mean, unless you're Rich Hill, but um, yeah, it's just, it was really just looking at that stuff and seeing what hitters don't like to hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, anytime you try to compare yourself to Rich Hill, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a different animal. All right, and finally, I know one of the biggest points of emphasis for you has been the the changeup. How has that been going, and, and what grip have you settled on for that? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've been pretty confident with it lately. It's been really good. Um, it's like a Vulcan split here. Um, this pointer finger is really just being curled on the side of the ball, and the point of emphasis is the middle finger, just staying through with the middle finger to get that side spin to get that horizontal grip. So, so. Now, have you toyed with different grips? I know sometimes it can be hard to you know try a circle change, you try this, you try this, because I would imagine in high school it's not something you needed a whole heck of a lot. I did not need it in high school, so changeups a big field pitch, um, and I think that's one thing that you know is hard was hard for me to. That's why it was hard to hard to get a changeup because curveball I threw my whole life and I've always had feel with it, and that was just very natural for me. But getting a changeup was you know all about the feel and what you know how I can throw it, when I can throw it. Um, getting to that point was really hard. So once I found the feel for it, then I could start throwing it in different counts and, and different situations and, and just building the confidence with it and, you know, working with it on the track man and, and in bullpen. It's it's almost sort of, you know, uh, antithetical, like opposite of, of your other pitches because you're like, with that, you're killing spin, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, right. it, it almost, you almost have to change your mindset, and you, you're trying to have the opposite effect of what your other two really good pitches have done for you. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's why I kind of went with the Vulcan, because when I didn't really split the fingers in the middle, that's when I actually had a riding to, or a riding uh, changeup, and it was really just a slower fastball. So that that was the hardest thing is getting it to, to stop riding and stop being a bad fastball and just bringing it bring a little bit of you know vertical downward shape to it and once i did that i mean it's been a lot of fun since i mean it's been throwing it just as much as the curveball i think last game it was like 20 and 20 on those two so it's been fun awesome mike thanks very much yeah absolutely yeah i was just uh so impressed with his his pitching iq 
and you know his his understanding and sort of embracing of a lot of things that we you know talk about things like spin rate, which he didn't know anything about really in high school, uh, but has come to understand that that's his bread and butter, both with his fastball and his curve, and and even the understanding of the grip on the changeup and, and finding the right one and using that pitch more effectively. So uh, there's a reason why I'm super high on him and that I feel he's underranked and we'll move him up when we, when we do our, our re-rank. But uh, our thanks to Mike Burrows. Looking forward to seeing him throw in the Futures game. We're going to take another break. When we return, we'll talk Futures game, rosters, and of course, our second annual Home Run Derby batting practice on official draft. Coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, the 23rd Major League Baseball All-Star Futures game is on Saturday. You can watch it on Peacock and uh, it'll also be on MLB Network uh, the following morning, I believe 9 a.m. Eastern. And the rosters uh, have come out since our last podcast. We've been looking forward to these for quite some time. Uh, as always, a cavalcade of future stars of current top 100 prospects. Um, there have been some changes to the rosters, uh, but when they first came out, there were 18 top 100 prospects on the National League side, 13 on the American League side. Uh, that's down to 12 now. Uh, as uh, Boston's Brian Bayo has been replaced since he's in the big leagues. Um, and then on the National League side, we had a replacement as well. Um, we had, uh, who do we added? Mark Vientos uh, of the Mets replacing uh, David Villar of the Giants, also up in the big leagues. So if you're going to miss the Futures game, uh, that's the reason to do it. You don't, don't want to be replaced because you're injured. Um, we have what? How many of the top? We have five of the top ten overall. Is that right? That's you would, my you would, Yeah, you would think I would remember that I, since I. It is. It's five I, of ten. Thank you. Uh, five of the me. top eight, even if you want to go five of the top eight. Yep. So Matt's catching prospect Francisco Alvarez, who's number two on the recently updated top one hundred prospects list. D-backs outfielder Corbin Carroll, number three Orioles. Infielder Gunnar Henderson, number five, and Cardinals third base prospect Jordan Walker, number seven, and Yankees shortstop prospect Anthony Volpe, number eight. Those are the highest ranked players on both sides. Uh, guys, quickly, any sort of general impressions about the composition of the rosters? Anyone you're particularly excited to see? And when you look at these rosters, just any any one thing that jumps out at you? I mean, I think, go ahead, Jim. 
I was to say it, it, it's loaded as usual. I mean, it's you know I don't think there's any other place during the year where you could see this many of baseball's best prospects on the field at one time. You know, it, it's we, we've seen a decent amount of these guys. At least I have. I'm sure you have too, Jonathan. Like either now that we went back to spring training, backfields or the fall league. But and and last week we kind of tackled this question, so I won't say Yuri. Perez again. You guys know I love Yuri Perez. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Jackson Churio the, uh, of the Brewers. Like I don't do our Brewers list, but it's always a pretty good gauge for me. When I have scouts or bringing up players to me I'm not asking about, telling me how great they are, um, that gets me excited about seeing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Jackson Churio there with the Brewers. No, that's a good one. I, I think one sort of thing that jumps out is that there are four top 100 catchers on the National League uh, on the roster that, that uh, is kind of insane and five top 100 catchers you know when you add you know when you add in shady langleyers on the american league side uh it, it's kind of impressive to say the least that there are you know that that many top catchers uh if i'm going to pick out one guy you know i just did my beat report on you know three guys out of time, but i'm gonna i'm gonna mention taj bradley mostly because i got to talk to him at length uh, in spring training and race camp. And he just was great to talk to. And he's obviously having as good a year as any pitcher in the minor leagues based, you know, in terms of his numbers, and, you know, these guys are going to go an inning at the, at the most. Uh, but just uh, seeing him on, on the stage, uh, you know, be exciting. And I'm kind of hoping that this is going to be one of those instances where they tell Taz not to bother going back to double a, uh, and send them to AAA after the Futures game. I'm going to predict that the National League remains undefeated in Futures game history. Last year being the first time that uh, the format changed to <laughs> National League versus American League. Uh, but this, te- this t- uh, team looks absolutely loaded to me. Uh, an outfield that will include Corbin Carroll, Jackson Churio, Pete Crow Armstrong, Robert Hassel III, and Zach Veen sounds extremely exciting to me. Ellie De La Cruz has been absolutely fantastic lately. Uh, good chance to get to see him on the big stage. Um, yeah. And then Jonathan, you mentioned the four top 100 uh, catchers on the roster. I guess the roster composition doesn't always necessarily uh, predict the outcome of the game, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking the, the National League is looking fairly stout this year. All right. Uh as for futures game predictions, uh, we did this last year and it was fun. You guys drafted a uh, home run derby squad. Uh, there is no official home run derby at the futures game. Uh, Sadly, we, well, we yeah, I was going to say. Should they be about... able to do that though? With like, I mean, not at least track it with Statcast. I mean, we we should we've been we should have a home run derby and they should track what everybody does in batting practice with Statcast. Agreed. Maybe we can. Uh, so last year, you guys uh, drafted four players each, and then we did track uh, their batting practice, which kind of has always served as an unofficial home run derby at the Futures game. Um, do you guys know, without looking, how many of the uh, players from last year's, uh, your two teams from last year are in the big leagues now? Out of out of we, Jeff, we, we, out we drafted four sixteen. Out oh, of eight. I'm sorry. I thought you meant out of the whole future. Well, Jason, game. You, dra- you drafted two, but you you took a best of the rest, right? Isn't that how that worked? But yeah. so we won't cut that. Okay, I will say I will say six of the eight. I'm gonna say I think 
the funny thing is I can't remember who my fourth player was, but I'm going to say wow. all four of my guys are in the Bay Leagues. You're correct. Uh, Julio, yeah. Bobby Wood Jr. Yes. Torkelson, Torkelson and, Green. and Riley yeah. Green. Uh, Torkelson led Jonathan to victory yes, with 10 BP bombs. Thank you, Spencer. Uh, Julio and Riley each had four. Bobby Wood just had one. Jim's team uh, was Adley Rutschman, Jared Kelnick, Marco Luciano, and uh, Nolan Gorman. So six and, of the eight are in the big leagues now. Yeah. yeah or, well, yeah, exactly. That's the done. Um, and seven of eight have been. Um, that wasn't the question that was asked, sir. Nope. Yeah, you He's got He's bending right. the rules, Jim. <laughs> uh, Adley had five, Gorman had three, and Kelnick and Luciano each had one. Uh, we're going to do this again. I uh, wonder who had first pick last year. See, I should get yeah. the first pick for finishing last. Give Jim first pick because he's going to compl- he's going to complain. Plus, you give it to Jonathan all the time anyway. But I, I think the precedent should be whoever loses. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, give give you know the the squeaky wheel the Well, I finished last. Should we be picking in reverse order of the twenty twenty one standings? Last year's standings. Fair enough. Sure. Okay, Jim. Uh, pressure's on one one in this year's unofficial futures game batting practice home run derby draft. I, I do have one quick question before we pick. Not that I have any inside information. What happens? Do we get to replace a guy if he's replaced in the Futures game between now and Saturday? Yes. yes. Okay. That, that seems only fair. I just want to throw that out there. Um, I will take Jordan Walker of the Cardinals uh, of as my number one overall choice here. And, and I'm curious, Jonathan, would you have picked Jordan Walker number one? Probably. I was on the fence, so you made it. You made my decision. Uh, that, that's a why I'm here, easier. Chris, trying to make it yeah, easier for you. I appreciate that. I will take Ellie De La Cruz, minor league, ba- actually baseball's only 2020 player, um, number two. And I had a strategy. I didn't mention him as the guy who I was most excited to see because <laughs> I didn't want to spring that name. <laughs> you didn't want to tip him off. Tip you off. So that worked. I, I, well, I'm not familiar with Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> who is this guy? What? <laughs> He's not on this roster. I yeah. have either. What? Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick National League. I'm going National League again with my third pick, as you do with what were the third overall pick, as we did with the first two, and I will take Francisco Alvarez yeah. of the Mets. That's a good pick. I think I'm taking. I think I just took the two heaviest guys on the National League roster. I took the oh, two. Jim, drafting by weight. I'm drafting by weight. Now my, my, my strategy has been revealed. Pound for pound. Phillies left-hander <laughs> Eric Miller. Well, if we go pound, <laughs> there you go. Kate Cavalli. Don't tell him about Kate uh, Cavalli. Uh, Kai Bush also sneaky, on my list. Sneaky good uh, batting practice. You know, I feel like it gets a little more um, – the, the field is muddled. I felt like there were like – those three were the best guys, I, I thought. Yeah, and so then it's going to be a question of who you think is going to step up, and is it going to be like a guy with a ton of power or like who hits a lot of homers? Yes, I'm. 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 You're stalling. I am totally stalling. Can I take Ellie De La Cruz twice? Jim always picks two players when he's told to pick one. I think you should go Darren Baker. I'll just I'm pick not for you. Taking Darren <laughs> Baker here in the second round. Done. It's like the auto draft. <laughs> yeah, this is the NFL. You're, you're, you're 15 minutes or up, and I'm going to run to the podium with my next pick. I, you know what? I'm going to take Robert Hassel the third. 
Um, I know you know he's not hit for a ton. You of can power. have you can have Robert Hassel Senior and Junior also. I'll thank throw you in. very much. <laughs> I uh, he, you know I know the power hasn't shown up you know in games as much, but I but it, it's it's in there, and I think he's going to want to put on a show in BP. It's going to be an all National League unofficial futures game batting practice home run derby. Hmm. No, it will not be. All right, are you, you going to break the string here? I am. I'm going to go John Kenzie Noel. Of the Cleveland Guardians. Note, I said Guardians, so I will Guardians. not incur any fines. But the Guardians. No, in fact, you, Noel, you get. You should get two points for every home run he hits because you said the name right. I'll take two points for every home run he hits, and he's having a huge year. So I'm, I'm very pleased with my team this year. I, I it's weird. I did no prep this year, and, I, and I'm liking my team very much. Did you do prep last year? I think I did a little prep. Like, like it was probably five minutes of prep, but yeah, no prep this year. I, I would have t- picked L.A. De La Cruz second, also had you not picked him okay all right jonathan uh your penultimate pick my penultimate pick penultimate pick i thought we were doing four each haven't i taken three guys already no (laughs) stop here if you would like this if you'd like this to be your final pick only if you took i will not stand in your way that's right i wanted Ellie to lose twice wow all right well that's a so i think i will also go uh american league and i am going to take uh, Gunnar Henderson of the Baltimore Orioles. All right, Jim, your last pick. This is your last pick. And I'm torn here. I'm torn. Um, Feel free to stall since that cl- clearly has worked so well for me. Nah, it's just like I'm going to look up one guy's numbers here and see if I want to make this pick based on numbers. I got th- three guys I want are still on the board. I'm, I, I kind of want my pick back. I have two guys I'm torn. You know, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go with the guy who's showing greater power in games this year. I'm going Matt Walner. I bet you guys didn't necessarily see me going Matt Walner, but I'm going Matt Walner here. Jonathan, do a spit take? I was a no, no, I'm mad because when we decided we were going to do this in my in the back of my head, I hadn't done any prep, and I'm like, Matt Walner is 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 the guy for a BP, you know, derby kind of thing, and I should have I should have taken him with my third pick. So. Kudos to you. I, I think Matt Walner is... It's, it's the all-weight draft. I, I th- I'm, I'm I going for Matt the Walner is, It might put you over the top. All right. I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with a replacement. Hmm. Uh, sort of going along the same lines, you, Jim, in terms of guy who's shown power. So I'm going to take Mark Vientos um, as my fourth player. Uh, you know, 25 homers last year. He's hit for power this year. I think he's going to be a good BP guy. Yeah. Okay. So, Jason, we we want we want you to reprise what you did last year. That was uh, that was one of my guys. That was one of the th- three guys I had in mind that uh, that I wanted. Vientos. Um, uh, I, I think I know two 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 of your guys are going to be in my. I would I, take I, Nick I, Prado. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would take. Uh, well, Who did you have last year? Did I you think have I, Nick Prado last year? I think I might have. I think I might have also taken Jason Dominguez because I felt like somebody should. Had to take Jason Dominguez, which I'll do that again. Uh, that was I had you taking him in my mock. <laughs> uh, how about uh, oh, shoot? Going down to the National League here. What if I take uh, Miguel Vargas? All right. Is that a is that a surprise pick? I like it. You got to take a Dodger. Somebody's got to take a Dodger. And I'll go with. Uh, we we can't not be watching Jackson Churio and and BP so. Nice. I like your team team first. I, I thought you might go Oscar Colas. I, I was looking for you to go Oscar Colas. Considered it. 
did consider it for sure. All right, let's wrap up here by answering a question from the mailbag. Quickly. We got this from at JBFaz1213 on Twitter, who asks, with the announcement of the Braves-Royals trade involving a draft pick, should MLB allow all draft picks to be moved in trades? In a word, yes. In, a, in more than a word, I'm not against it, but... Like, I don't know that we need to be trading eighth round picks. Like, maybe I'd put a limit on the first three uh, rounds. Okay, fair. Um, and I think I would probably uh, maybe put a limit on how far into the future you could trade draft picks. So you're not trading like a 2025 first rounder or something. But I, I just think it creates interest. And anything that could create interest in the draft, I think, is good. And I think it would give teams more flexibility in ways to build their team. Yeah, I know there's been, we've talked about this before, I think, but like, I know there's been concern that teams would somehow then, you know, punt the draft or whatever. One, I don't think that would happen. Two, I think you could set up some limitations so a team can't suddenly trade all three of their draft picks if that's what you want to protect against. You could do that fairly easily. But I, I agree. I think it would be fun. Even if, not that doing mock drafts and for the baseball draft, it, you know, is an easy task. It would make it more challenging, but I welcome the challenge. Uh, for those who don't know, and I think saw some confusion in the baseball world uh, when that draft was made and included a draft pick, uh, the only draft picks that can be traded at this juncture are competitive balance picks, competitive balance round A and round B. Um, and one further uh, limitation is that they can only be traded once. So if you trade for a competitive balance pick, uh, you cannot then turn around and, and trade that pick. So that's how that works now. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. <laughs> Where's my... Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It got buried with all this other... All this, so you uh, don't miss an episode. Take it home, Jason. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. See you next week.